Hey y'all, welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Most Podcast, presented by Blue Wire Pod Network. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Another jam-packed show for you guys today here on the Chase Most Podcast, the Saturday, July 9th. 2022 edition uh we got a lot of local heavy coverage and that's going to be the thing and i got a cool announcement to uh to announce for you guys uh next week in terms of how we're going to continue to evolve and structure the show and uh what uh to expect each and every day because this is a daily program so new content every single day here on the chase most podcast but on saturdays it's kind of like the local hour uh, but it's the local three hour uh, coming. So we got local two right now with Go Big Orange Friday and uh, Atlanta Sports Guys. But as we continue to evolve and figure stuff out, like I said, uh, some exciting stuff in the works here uh, here on the Chase Most Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, Go Big Orange Friday today. But guess what? No, Ryan Chumpert of Rocky Top Insider. He's away on vacation this week. We still got Ethan Stone of Off the Hook Sports. And also Uncle Dave makes his uh, debut here on the Chase Most Podcast, uh, UT alum and super fan. So it's great to have Uncle Dave on the podcast to uh, to talk Tennessee football. Uh, big commitment today with Sham, who comes over from Denmark, four-star offensive tackles. We talk a lot about him and his impact, what this means for Simmons and the rest of the offensive tackle targets for Tennessee this cycle. Um, we touch a lot on uh, Cam Seldon's commitment yesterday. It's a lot. Everything coming up, Rocky Top, uh, the Rise Glorious plan from AD, Danny White, um, a little Justin Edwards and Toby Awaka talk, and then uh, Tennessee baseball. My, uh, the case, uh, there's a strong case that they are the first of the big three um, to win a national title in, uh, in Danny White's timeline. So all that and more coming up on Go Big Orange Friday here on the Saturday, July 9th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast, two-parter here on today's program. Make sure you're subscribed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, just make sure that you are indeed subscribed so you never miss an episode. You can watch this program on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, new episodes of the program go up same day as recording, uh, so you get a little bit of a head start uh, when you subscribe to the YouTube page and check out the videos early there, youtube.com, uh, youtube.com slash chase Thomas podcast, like, and subscribe, all the good stuff. Read me sports renaissance man dot uh, email the program chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com as well. All right. Part one on a Saturday. Let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back. Go Big Orange Friday, taping this on a Friday afternoon. No Ryan Shumpert this week. He's over at Dollywood having a good time burning to death, probably, because it is quite hot uh, here in East Tennessee. So we'll hope that uh, Ryan made it through uh, a weekend in the mountains. But we've got Ethan Stone back of Off the Hook Sports, formerly of the Daily Beacon. Ethan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, uh, as is Tennessee, apparently, on the recruiting trail. How about that? Adding, uh, obviously, Sam Umarov today, and then the uh, other day, Cam Seldon. They're on a roll right now. I believe I saw six commits in the past uh, two weeks, it is, and likely to be more in the in the coming days. So, a lot to write about, and uh, I'm, I'm staying busy. Absolutely, absolutely. Also here, first time, Uncle Dave. It's a family affair this week. We had Cousin Sam on a couple days ago. Now we got Uncle Dave on here. Uh we had to bring in somebody who was UT without Ryan. And I had to bring in family who actually 
uh went to ut has a strong ut vibe he's wearing a what color is that peach is that orange are we calling it, that orange it's it's a, let's just call it a faded ut orange okay i mean we could have gone with the ut shirt that uh i did get you this spring we could have we could have brought that one out for this occasion well i'll go change if you like <laughs> uncle dave uh how's it going sir how are you i'm doing great look forward to uh hearing what you guys have to say i always like uh your insights on what's going on in UT sports. And, you know, you guys are right in the middle of it. So it's always good to hear new things. Well, new things. I think we have to start with the guy of the hour. Uh, Sham Umarov, I learned, is how you say it. It's you. It's a hard you. Sham Umarov. Um, he comes in from uh, Denmark High School. And I think people are going to be confused by that uh, for a while. As someone who's a local Georgia guy, I know Denmark. And I've had the coach on like actually like a month ago. But I think a lot of people are already seeing that. And they're like, oh, we got someone from Denmark, the country. And it's like, no, 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 no. Uh, this, he is from Russia. Uh, but I think he moved after he's one years old and his family's Russian. But um, he is gigantic, 6'6", like 337. Um, one of those guys you bring in right away as an offensive tackle, not someone you have to worry about. It's like, oh, is he a guard? Is he a center? It's like, no, 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 no. This, like, that was the big thing with uh, Francis Malagoa was that he might just be a guard at this level. And this is not the same value. So while it's a five-star, four-star difference, he's on that border of a five-star kid, um, obviously a super talented kid uh, out of Georgia, and the, the University of Georgia really wanted him. And he's someone that Georgia brought in on their official visit uh, this summer. And people are like, oh, well, they didn't go hard at him. And it's like, well, no, they did. If you bring somebody in for an official visit with only 50 or so a year that each university gets, that means you want, you're not wasting your time with that person. You want this person in the building. Um, and they beat out Georgia for him and that it, it's a big win because I think, uh, the offensive line, the defensive line is basically, and I guess we should throw a corner in there too, but, um, they get Conyers. So I, I'm kind of giving them a pass on that for right now is just, you wanted to see them add there. They've added in receiver. They've added at quarterback. They've added at safety. They've added at linebacker. They've added at running back, but the th- two areas outside of corner is the offensive and defensive line. And we'll see what happens with Genevieve and Bradley in the coming days. But this is a big one. I, I think there's no other way to spin it other than Nico got th- this is a Nico effect type thing where you br- have the superstar quarterback, you have the five star in the building and you just you, you want to go protect that guy and you want to go play for a team that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to win a lot of games and just going to be a high powered machine. But I think this might be the outside of Nico, which will be the most impressive get of the class i think he's number two right now and most impressive to pull him from georgia and get him at tennessee because he just looks like a georgia offensive tackle and the kind of guys that they've brought in the andrew thomases of the world and tennessee stole him what do you what do you think dave well i think number one i had a a couple points number one is i think that the offensive line defensive line i'm a defensive line guy i think that the defensive line you got to have a rush you got to have you know containment all that stuff every year and i think that that's always been the or or the here lately that's been one of our our problems is we just can't get off the field quick enough on the defensive side and so it definitely showed last year that we would have offense would control real quick and then the defense would get tired and and whatever but i certainly think that when you say the nico effect that that holds here too that that kid he is a recruiting machine on his own and he's really pulling for ut and i think like i think i told you yesterday that um He's endeared himself to Tennessee fans, regardless of whatever happens with his success or failure on the field. 
he has endeared himself to UT fans because he's out there pulling kids in and he's talking up UT. And, and I think lastly, um, this thing with um, this, the, the lineman picking Tennessee over Georgia, I think it speaks a little bit to the to Josh Heupel versus the Kirby Smart mentality or whatever as a coach. I just think that Heupel has created this kind of energy and it's fun and it's like positive and it's fast and it's all these things. And Kirby's more, you're in the trenches, shut him down on defense, you know, drop back passing. That, that's just kind of more traditional, what you consider SEC football, where Josh is bringing in kind of a different feel to it, kind of the, the Spurrier effect, what he had at Florida. And I think that kids are excited by that. And, and Florida got all the best talent for quite a while there because Spurrier had that fun style football. And I think you could argue that Kiffin, that's how he's gotten some of the players to go to Ole Miss, you know, that he was competing with down there as well. What do you think, Ethan? I'd say with the original question being one that you said that I think it was most interesting was you said the most important other than Nico. I would tend to agree either say two or three, because I'd say Cam Seldon, weirdly enough, him just uh, committing the other day, Cam Seldon and, and Umarov have to be, two three maybe four right after that because you i mean if you really think about it you give nico a wide receiver i mean no no disrespect to nate spillman but cam selden being the freakish athlete that he is he's gonna be i feel like more of a threat in this offense and the hypo a goalish offense obviously and then adding a guy to protect him just like you said he was a primary left tackle at denmark high school which by the way is very confusing <laughs> on 24 7 it actually says it says high school and then it just says denmark usually it says like blah blah high school but it just says denmark so and it's new uh, it was only created like five years ago or so yeah so so it's probably really confusing but mm. i i like umarov a lot because he's just a big mammoth of a guy he's he's bigger than anybody on the team currently except for darnell wright darnell wright i believe is is 346 uh i mean umarov comes in at, at 66 337 overall that's a mammoth of a man and that's a guy that uh you know you can refine his his footwork his skills on that end uh, from what I've heard, they're already pretty polished as they are right now. You add that and that size protecting Eco, and I mean, you get this line down pat, and I feel like Hypo will be able to do whatever he wants on offense. I mean, he already kind of is. So adding this guy, adding possibly Lucas Simmons on on Monday, uh, another four star guy that Tennessee's targeting, that would be huge to keep building that line because. It, it's like they say it. I've probably said it a thousand times at this point. You win the game in the trenches. That's where the game is won or lost. Well, I think they're going to get to it. Like, this is the other part of it. And you mentioned um, Lucas Simmons. Here is one of the cool things about his commitment happening now. Is now that he's in the boat, I wonder if that's a positive or a negative for Simmons. And what's the other kid's name? I always forget his name. He's the one who's been leaning most towards Tennessee, the offensive tech. Is it Stanley? What is it? Um, what am I thinking? I don't, I don't know who you mean. What is honest. his name off the top of my head? I can't remember. Uh, but he's the other. There's been three targets. And the where's Ryan when you need him? Ryan's yeah, got Ryan, this ready. Ryan has this stuff just off the bat. Yeah, I, it takes me a little bit. He's an animal. Like I, I cover every sport. Ryan's over here focused on Tennessee. Um, <laughs> I forgot his name, but he's another. Stanton There it is. Stanton Ramel. Yeah. So he's another four star and he's another offensive tackle that the Vols are very much in on. I wonder if that's going to have an effect where Sham's like, come with me and we're going to be the twin towers offensive tackles for our class for Nico. Or they're like, we're going to cool off and go somewhere else because we don't want to compete with you. And we don't like you, you, Tennessee's good. Now I wonder 
if that's a problem. What do you think, Dave? Do you think that's something to worry about is getting him in the boat now and that taking them out of the other two? Or do you think if you're an offensive tackle, you're looking at this like, oh, they got more in the boat. Let's join them and let's just keep building out this class. I I think it's always a question mark, uh, especially now things are different with NIL and with some of the other things that people are looking at. They they, they see the size of the bucket as it's one size and it's not mm-hmm. going to be smaller. And so um, they basically know that they, you know, where, where will they, will they go over the edge? Will they be able to play? Will they, you know, it's just hard to say. It's just, I, I think it's always a question mark. And I think that's with every class, um, you know, you're never going to recruit two top quarterbacks in the same year. It's just never going to happen. And so when you've got, if, as long as the players aren't, you know, really competing, I think it's a very good chance that, you know, if there's an, uh, kind of a synergy and there's a, a, a kind of a personality. And I think, like I said, Nico is doing a great job of creating that and leading that charge. Then it's possible you could still keep pulling in by the same token. I think that people are just going to look and see, Am I just going to be another person on a great team? Mm. Oh, and, 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 you know, when we talked about UT baseball, you look at, you got, you know, Gilbert and you got Beck, but then you got all these other guys that would be great players on any other team, but they don't get the same kind of press because they're not the top guy. And Tennessee now, you could argue, has got two or three top guys, you know, that are going to be taking that oxygen. So, I, I think there's there's opportunities on both sides. I think in this particular case, um, I don't know. I think it, it might it, it might be kind of a, a, a what do they say um, embarrassment of riches or, or yeah. whatever. We're just getting we're getting too much, too quick, and the kids that you know they may not, they may not see their place in it. So. But that's where you want to be. You want to be in the Saban situation where it's like, yeah, we always want to have an overindulgence. We don't care. Like you can leave. I, it does not matter. I Coordinators, coaches, players, they leave every year. Like that's just part of the operation there is that they're just, we're going to be fine. We've established this culture. We've established this tradition, that sort of thing where we're fine. And I think in today's uh, recruiting environment, you can never have too many guys and too many people in the boat. But I do wonder, like, how Lucas and how uh, Stanton are wired. Like, I wonder if they're talking. I wonder if Shaman, them are talking, and that's going to be something that picks up to monitor. It's just like we need to monitor Sham's likes in the coming days and uh, see if uh, there's some crossover there. Because, like, if you can get two four-star, borderline five-star offensive tackles in the same class that you brought Nico, that's the kind of thing where people are getting nervous, where Arch... Uh, commits to Texas and then you have a plethora of kids commit right after and Texas I think got like what 10 right after Arch committed but the majority of them were three stars or not really big names uh, but they all just jumped in because it was like all right Arch is there Quinn Ewers is already there Sark's there we're good like they're probably gonna be fine for a while and I wonder with Nico it's just now we are kind of seeing where if you asked um, Selden too, it's like, why did you, why'd you commit? And I, I imagine it's half hypo or it's partly hypo. It's partly goalish and it's partly um, uh, Nico. And you mentioned uh, the Spurrier effect, Dave. I hadn't considered that that was kind of, that's a really good, I think, modern uh, comparison, except for personalities. I don't think <laughs> Heupel has any of the personality uh, that Steve Spurrier has and is like that with the press and is going to give you hilarious quotes like Spurrier will. But I think the offense where it was so attractive to so many people in the 90s, I think that actually is a really... 
uh, astute comparison. Huh? Called it the fun and gun or something like that. Yeah. But you know what's interesting too about that? And I think this is what's going to happen with Hypel. And this is a positive, I think, in Knoxville at the moment and something to monitor is that Golish is not popping up really for any head coaching uh, opportunities. Uh, Tim Banks hasn't really popped up in any searches. And you want that continuity. When you bring in this whole new staff, you want all these guys to be locked in for as long as possible so that you can build this culture and you have a strong foundation where kids, you've only lost Cody Burns uh, to the NFL, to the Saints job. And you were able to, you he was there long enough that Kelsey Pope had the trust of a lot of these kids and had already earned the trust and was like an easy in-house uh, just upgrade and just move him up. And it's just been business as usual there. But I wonder if that's the same thing. Cause if you look at Spurrier's coaching tree in the nineties, none of them went on to coach. Like it's kind of wild. All the people under him were not, there's no coaching tree for Steve Spurrier. There's no one. It's not like Kirby or Saban or anybody else where they eventually get a head coaching job. And there's just a lot of different uh, spots for them all over the country. It's not what happened for some reason. I don't really know why that is, but Spurrier guys, they were there throughout and they didn't get head coaching jobs and they stayed and they recruited and they were just fun. And I think the fun and gun is kind of where we're at. Just this would, I, I don't know what the tagline should be, but it's the tempo effect where we're just going to run the most plays and we're going to score the most points. And that is extremely appealing for a lot of dudes. But I did wonder would offensive line, big dudes, like big guys like what Georgia recruits, would that be something they want to do? Because that's a lot of plays. That's a lot of time they're on the field. He can't be that size, probably. He's going to have to slim down. And it's going to be interesting to see um, how these guys work in a hypo scheme with his tempo. And that being said, it's not like it's an air raid type thing where they're just doing tempo and air raid. They're running the ball a lot. Hypo wants to run the ball a lot. He he is not like they're going to be a collection of backs. I mean, Tion Evans was huge for them last year. Jabari Small was really great uh, late. Um, so it will be a lot more balanced than I think folks are expecting. But I uh, I, I like the Spurrier comparison because I'd not uh, I'd not considered that, Dave. Well, I just throw out one other point too, and to your other question about you know does this affect recruiting? And so mm. in the effect that or in the event that we've got you know, you're just going to have so many more plays. I mean, I think we averaged like, what, 90 plays a, a game last year or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's an insane amount. And um, so if you're going to have that many plays on the field, you might need a few extra players kind of ready to just jump in because, you know, fatigue. So you're going to have a, a, a place for more people to get playing time. And that tempo kind of thing, it's not it's – not, readily transferable to NFL. They don't do that as much, but at the same time, you the fitness levels are absolutely, you know, demanding in mm-hmm. the way more so than they are in college. And so um, having the, the the kind of the speed of the game that Tennessee plays, it definitely prepares you for the NFL in that regard. What do you think, Ethan? I would 100% agree. I'll add to it also. I'll say injuries. As far as the fitness thing, you got to get your body ready so that you are not missing too much time. Uh, For example, Cooper Mays last season, missing out at center. Tennessee was lucky that Jerome Carvin was able to slide over from from tack or, you know, and be able to play center the way he was. He started five snaps there, I believe, and he really was kind of the savior of the offensive line. It could have completely fallen apart if, if someone wasn't there to be able to move over and, and get that done. So if that happens a couple times, which it, it, I, I believe Kingston Harris had some problems last year, 
if that happens too much, imagine Darnell Wright this coming year goes out. Imagine Umarov uh, three weeks into his uh, his freshman campaign goes out. You need that depth for that reason. As of right now, Tennessee in the 2023 class only has two. It's Umarov and it's Aiden Bustle, a three-star mm-hmm. guy. And so that kind of I – feel, I feel like this is kind of looping us back to Lucas Simmons' talk. That's why I would say this is an attractive destination for – those types of offensive tackles because they know, like he said, you're moving so fast, you got to substitute them every once in a while. You're going to get your shine if you're an offensive lineman in this offense. I almost guarantee it, especially because you're moving fast. I mean, it's unfortunate, but players are going to get injured more. You're going to get a shine at some point. Now, you have to take advantage of that or there's going to be problems, obviously, like I just went over. It's it's kind of a, a, a reusable thing here. Uh, people can go out left and right. And so to keep adding that depth, I think that's that's crazy important. I think Lucas Simmons, a guy like him, I think he would like to come here just for that to say, hey, I know I have a role on this and, and let's, you know, let's get to work with it. Yeah, I think so. And I am I think you mentioned Cam and we should talk about him, too, because when you hear he's being compared to A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel and being used in that way, that that's a good place to be in. That's a, and if he put there's a chance he's up to five star after this fall season, his senior year. And he's just a Supreme athlete and just someone who four or five, whatever in Heupel's offense, this is the kind of Swiss army knife that they don't have yet. And you saw that a little bit with Velas Jones. I think he's probably the closest in that regard where Velas could line up all over the place. He was in motion all the time. And he was a, he was returning kicks, returning punts. Like he's, he was kind of that uh, for Tennessee, but I wonder how much that helps where you have film where Hypo has film now and a full season to show these kids and show them like, all right, here's how I'm going to use you. Here's what we did last year. And here's how I will be able to use you in this offense here. Like, it's just going to be fun. And we're going to get you the NFL. Like Felix Jones goes to the NFL, Cedric Tillman, probably a second round, maybe a first round pick if he's really good this year. Um, Tennessee, I think is number two all time in wide receivers going uh, to the league. I want to say, um and that's huge where you can still show that to a lot of kids and i think they see that because ultimately these kind of high upside guys they want to get to the league and heupel's offense i think is going to be extremely conducive for quarterbacks offensive linemen and uh Cade mays as well he just gets drafted um getting to the league what do you think dave well, I, I think that, you know, historically, UT has always had a real affinity for these athlete-type players. Uh, if you go back to Dale, Dale Carter back in the in the early 80s, um, I mean, he played wide receiver, D-back. He returned kicks and punts. We had Eric Berry, same thing. Just, you know, these guys could play anywhere on the field. Um, and granted, they were D-backs, but, they're pri- but they're, their skills would allow them to play anywhere. And um, they were just extremely talented. They were fast. They were physical. And there's a history there, uh, you know, at UT having those kind of players. I-, I just think that a lot of it comes down to now these kids are so sophisticated. They know exactly what they want. And the coaches just have to be able to figure out how to make that work for the kid. And I, I really think that... You know, um, if Heupel is able to make the case that whatever whatever this kid wants to do is going to fit at UT, he's going to get him. And and I said right now, UT is a very very exciting place to be. You're looking on at a team that's been way down for a long time, and you can see the trajectory, you can feel the energy, you can just there's so many things that are positive there, and I, and I hope that. Um, and I said, and, and you and I talked about this the other day too. It's not just football. 
it's basketball, it's baseball, it's track. You name the sport and UT is coming around and, and is putting, a, putting on a quality product. And, and I just hope that, um, you know, Heupel's able to continue what he's doing because, I, I mean, he's, I think, kind of been the catalyst. Oh. Uh-oh. He was the catalyst for it. Oh, there he is. He's back. Oh, he's D- Dave, you're muted. Oh, I got him. There you go. Uh, uh, you're muted, Dave. Uh, <laughs> What's just happened? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen that before on here. Was, I thought his power went out for a second. That's what I thought, too. Or his phone uh, died because he's on his phone. Very interesting. Ethan, what do you think's happening here? Where do you think I that sentence know. was going? I I I don't know. I don't know. He, he was he was going hard too. I was I was he was on a roll. There he oh, is. Oh, can you? I think uh, you're there, there now. There we go. I had a phone call come in, and mm. we were wondering because it went black and everything. I thought your phone just died. And no, that was, I had yeah. a call come in. So anyway, I don't know where I was. And you were at Catalyst. Catalyst. You, you went out at Catalyst. Oh yeah. So I was just saying that Danny White, I, I believe he's the catalyst for all this stuff. He mm. he and he and he and Heupel. They're creating that energy, and football at UT is going to drive the boat. I mean, every time. And the fact that we've got, you know, um, just so much talent that's interested in UT, and there's such a positive energy across all sports that I just hope that, you know, they continue because as a fan, it's a great thing to watch. And I said, what I don't know about is the specific players as well as you do. I, you know, I got other things going on. That I, I don't follow this stuff like you guys. But that being said, what I do see um, the, you know, we're, we're getting some really high quality young men that are coming to UT. And I love that because like I said, there's just a maturity. There's a, there's a presence about them. There's a, you know, they want to win. They, I, I don't know. It's just like, you can just feel it. There's an energy about it. And, and I think that, uh, it's, uh, it's something that everybody who's a UT fan can, can take pride in and enjoy. I think so. But I, the Danny White point leads us to what came out this week that Danny put out publicly that he mentioned that this is a private thing, that this is something that the staff knows about. And I'm sure other 80s around the country um, put together something similar uh, kind of as a plan of action and kind of where they're going and to keep the staff accountable and keep everybody involved accountable. It's called Rise Glorious. And it came out and there was a lot of interesting nuggets in here. One of which is the big orange caravan is coming back. Uh, that's a big deal. Did you ever do the big orange caravan, Dave? Did you ever see it? Uh, it's been to Atlanta several times. I've never been to it. It was like a golf thing. And mm. you know, then they'd have a, a dinner and, and whatever. But it was not something that I ever, ever had time to do. Um, well, we also get uh, Tennessee wants to promote Knoxville as America's co- uh, college sports city. Which is interesting. Um, you that's just look at, huh? That's a great idea. That's what I'm saying. Like White is just Danny White has just been a slam dunk home run hire as an AD fundraiser staff. Like he un, he just gets it all across the board, and it's for the Lady Balls, for the men's sports. Like he wants to win everywhere. And part of this, I want to read an excerpt from uh, what it said. Um, here's what Danny White said. Quote, you build a brand from the inside out. This is an internal plan that we decided for ourselves. So the level of accountability that that uh, that that places on our organization is enhanced when we make it public. We're not hiding behind it. We're not shying away from it. We want to be highly competitive, um, highly, highly competitive. I think that competitive people want to be a part of competitive organizations. And we want student athletes to come here and coaches to come here and our staff 
that are all energized by these things and not intimidated by it. And that I think is the ethos of Tennessee baseball. So I think there is just like this mindset now across the board, like Tennessee basketball going after another five-star kid. And we'll get into him in a second, but up and down the list, like every sport is like, we're not, we're not going to be afraid to use our power, our boosters, our uh, university, our size, our enrollment, our location in the South. Uh, what makes Knoxville unique? They White is just using everything and has it all together. Where this is what we're doing, and we're going to go in. We're not. We're not going to be afraid of Georgia. We're going to go into Georgia, and we're going to take the be- like the best offensive tackle there. We're going to take somebody from Georgia. We're going to not be afraid to compete against the big boys because. It's kind of like that guy who has not been around because Danny White has not (laughs) been involved and had to go through a lot of the Tennessee turmoil over the last several decades, seemingly, that he has a fresh outlook and a fresh perspective on it where he's not jaded by anything. So it's just one of those things where he is like, all right, I, I have a clear slate. I don't know anything about anything before I got in here. I'm just going to make everything awesome uh, from the d- first day I'm here. And I think this kind of plan to want to win a national championship in a- at least one sport every year, which is what is also mentioned in that. I think that's doable. And you look at their success all across the board this year. I mean, the first team in the SEC to win the SEC basketball tournament and baseball tournament in the same year. That's a huge thing. Like baseball is not going anywhere. Basketball is not going anywhere. Football is definitely not going anywhere. Women's basketball is not going anywhere. And you talk about track and cost country, uh, Dave, I, I think when you read this plan, I think if you're a Tennessee fan, you can't help but be extremely excited about where everything's going because he they're serious, like very, very serious about building out not just a good team, but an elite, elite program. Yeah, 100%. I said uh, the, we just got the cross-country coach that was uh, did an excellent job at Notre Dame. We got the track coach that came over from North Carolina A&T and, you know, top elite program created over there on a small – you know, HBCU program. And, you know, they're, they're now one of the top track programs. And I believe they were in the top two or three in, indoors uh, in the NCAA meet. And so, um, I mean, we're, we're, we, we're, we're expanding, you know, all of our programs. And, and Tennessee historically was like this. When I was in school, we weren't great in, um, you know, football. We were definitely not, but our basketball team was very solid. Our track team was top-notch. We won indoors, outdoors, and cross-country when I was in school almost every year. We won the NCAAs in swimming. Women's basketball, you know, kind of came on the scene while I was in school, and and Pat Summit started, you know, elevating Tennessee to the Texas, the USC's, you know, kind of quality of school at the time. And um, so they've never been – Tennessee's never been particularly afraid. The other school that I kind of think of when when I look at UT sometimes is Ohio State. Ohio State in that Big Ten and in that Midwest, they're not afraid of anybody. And they compete in just about every single sport. And I think Tennessee can be like that in the SEC. Um, Florida historically was like that. Uh, You know, they won everything. But they've kind of gone down a little bit. And now Tennessee is coming on board. And I said, it's just, it's just, you know, everything is cyclical, but it seems like uh, we're in the right spot right now to witness UT, as you say, on the rise and doing great things in just about all sports. What do you think, Ethan? The word I have is refreshing. It's uh, you, you talk about the home run hire of, of Danny White and uh, you know, he, 
cares about other sports for one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Philip Fulmer, I, I feel like Curry, all these guys. It was football, maybe basketball on the side. I wouldn't even say basketball, to be honest with you. It was, I care about football. I really don't care what anyone else is doing. And you can tell. I mean, you can tell Danny White is just big into every single sport on campus, making every single sport what he expects it to be. And And that kind of brings me to my second point, which is, Tennessee fans for a while now have just been asking somebody to lay this out for them. Say, hey, we have higher expectations than going four and eight. Uh, We have higher expectations than what we have been right now. And one of the most interesting things in that um, in the Rise Glorious uh, package that that um, I, I saw the other day was. He expects at least one sport to win a national championship every four years. That's Those are lofty expectations, but those are expectations that Tennessee should be meeting. Uh, it's, it's what Tennessee athletics used to be, as Dave just said. It's what Tennessee athletics needs to be, I feel like. And he also realizes, I think, how you get there. And that's, I mean, look at what the football team's doing right now. Look at what Heupel's doing. You have to build a strong culture, which everybody has done, baseball, basketball, women's basketball, fill in whoever you'd like. Heupel has to build a strong culture, and that starts with recruiting. He's got a top-tier class right now. Uh, I'll remind you, Butch Jones had a very high class also, and he couldn't do anything with it. So if Heupel can build this class, the next step is you got to go win some games, and then all of a sudden – you're going to be in the upper echelon like that because it's a two-step plan here. You got to get the recruits, but you also got to get them to perform and actually win something. And that's what White is saying. He's like, my expectations are you winning the SEC championship here in a while, and I want a national title here. And realistically, let's say ten years. I I would say that's on his mind. I don't think it's laid out anywhere in that thing, but he wants a national championship every four years. That's the thing that stood out to me. That is absolutely the thing that stood out to me. Well, I think it's one where he understands like the process and I'm a big process of a results yeah. guy in general where, look, man, if you're building it out and I like it goes a certain way where Tennessee baseball and basketball, the process was great all year long. And like the culture is strong, the recruiting is strong and you win a lot of freaking games and then you just hope the chips fall where they may and they fall in a good spot for you. Uh, but the like the goal should be to be in contention every year. Like if you are in contention in everything every year, eventually it's going to work out in one of them. Like that's, I think, where Danny White's at, where he's like, I have to preserve the health of every everybody and make sure that we're all working together so that uh, we don't uh, it just it all works out that way where eventually it will strike gold with one of our programs. And. I mean, it could be the Lady Vols. Kelly Harper is rolling uh, with UT women right now. It could be her because um, I think she's the future and she's just uh, going to be a star at UT and just the right fit, right culture, everything uh, for the Lady Vols going forward. But I I am curious to see who's first um, among that list because it would be interesting to see, I mean, Barnes with the narrative of him getting to the Sweet 16. I think it'd probably be the sweetest, obviously, for football. But I think there is something because everybody likes Rick likes Rick Barnes and everybody would just love to see him break through and really get there. And just to see see that would be, I think, pretty special. But also, I mean, the Vitello thing, people hate him, whatever. It's just the dude won a lot and all eyeballs would be on him because if you saw the ratings in the finals for the College World Series were not good. Um, so Ole Miss running the gauntlet as the last SEC team in and beating Oklahoma, it there is an interest in Tennessee baseball. People want to watch Tony Vitello's team and they want to watch this group and Tennessee's not going anywhere. Fresh, uh, freshman of the year, 
Uh, Pitch of the year, Chase Burns this week. I've always said being a Chase on in Knoxville is a good <laughs> a good place to be. Yeah, um, Chase Dolander, I, Chase I mean, Dolander, they're everywhere. Uh, they're, they're they're everywhere. You might spot us at a Savelli's, a Litton's. You never know. Uh, we're all over the place. But um, I think it's just a lot of fun, and that's my whole thing. Is I wrote about this this spring was just after Tennessee lost to Notre Dame. The ride was so much fun. Like that's all you want is the ride and being in the building and seeing them just kick the living crap out of so many people for so long. And it's like, I don't really winning a championship's hard. One team does it every year. It's one. It's really hard to be that one, but I care more about the ride, the experience and knowing that in Knoxville year round living here, it's just that like, and going to school here is that I get to watch quality basketball, quality baseball, quality soccer, quality, whatever quality football, year round so that there's not we don't have to take a season off where it's like I, I can't watch this I can't get through this season where a lot of other programs have that problem and I think that's something that uh, a lot of Tennessee fans should not take for granted because as we've seen before this and a lot of other programs around the country right now uh, it could be far worse it absolutely could it, it could get so much worse than it is right now i mean tennessee just won the the all sports trophy or, or whatever mm. that was i'm not 100 percent sure the the terminology exactly they used for it but i mean that that's a perfect representation this danny white rise glorious is a perfect representation of how the athletic department is doing right now and the fact that we're debating about which team will probably get to a national championship first that's a telltale sign that the athletic department is in pretty good shape because you could reasonably think of about four teams i'd say women's basketball tennis um honestly not really soccer anymore because brian penske left but uh, the basketball team and then the baseball team and football team honestly in the next 10 years uh, five years i wouldn't be surprised if they're competing for national championships the way that hypel has has developed this team it just would not surprise me i i really enjoy the vibe that's sitting around this football team right now if I had to pick one that would be the closest, I think I'd have to go with the baseball team. That's if what I, I was going to say, too. If I had to pick one that wouldn't be, unfortunately, I think I'd say the basketball team just because it's so hard to win March Madness. Like it, it's just it's probably the most difficult of, of any college sport to win. I would say, honestly, football is probably the easiest to win, but Tennessee's not quite there yet. And, you know, they, they have to get to that point first. But like college basketball you got you got to be good and lucky <laughs> there's 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 no in between on that you have to be at least semi-lucky to win the march madness what do you think dave well i agree with that on, on uh, definitely on basketball it's like it, one or two injuries can change an entire team uh you know dynamic and that and that has happened in the last two or three years and i also would agree with both of you that i think baseball is the one that's closest but I will also say, yet again, like a, 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 the periphery sport, track. <clears throat> Tennessee came in third in the NCAAs this year in outdoor track. Third. We had very few runners, and our coach was replaced. I mean, we're, we're only going to be better, it looks like, in that regard. We've just recruited, or, or just hired, I should say, uh, one of the top cross-country distance coaches in the country, and that's going to be on the improvement. So if we get a few more points in our distance and we get a few more points, you know, coming out of the, the middle distance in track, we're up there competing for a national title. And, you know, um, I definitely think baseball is the one to beat. And I definitely think that football is a year or two away. And I'm sad because I, I would love to see Hooker do something. He just, he's just, he's such a star to watch. And I, and I just, 
I, I think it's going to be awesome for Nico to get a chance to watch Hooker and kind of see himself and what, how he can improve on that position in a hypo offense. I, I, I think that he, he couldn't have a better role model and example right now than who he's got. Yeah, I mean, Hooker is just, it's unfortunate that he's, this is it for him and that he won't see it through. But he's also just going to be the guy, I think he has the opportunity to be the guy, the bridge guy who got Tennessee through Rocky Times, through the storm. Like, you don't get Hooker, you don't get Nico without Hooker popping off the way he did last year. And I think that's a big thing because I'm sure they talked and Hooker sold Nico on Heupel and uh, Golish and Housie. Is it Housie? How do you pronounce his name? Is, Joey, is it Joey Housley? Housie. That's what I thought. Joey it Housley. always sounds wrong when I say Housie. Yeah. Um, QB coach. But um, it's one of those, I think he'll be remembered as the bridge guy where I don't think Tennessee will have the personnel yet to get to the national title but without hooker and without what he has done for this program in two years he could have left like he was a pruitt signing like he transferred right before pruitt uh got fired and he could have just been like all right i'm out i'm not here for hypo staff i was not a part of this he didn't win the starting job out of the gate with uh with joe milton and he still stuck around and milton's still in this program like milton is still okay with being the backup and working with hooker and that's a big thing because a lot of other quarterbacks I think would have left. So it's clear that Hooker made sure to keep that friendship and that relationship positive, even when they were taking turns basically as the starter. And I think there, that relationship being strong is important um, just for the health and the behind the scenes vibes in the locker room and Hooker. I mean, if he's healthy and this is one of those things, it would not surprise me. And I've told folks, I think Dave, you and I talked about this yesterday was just that like, when it happens in year two, it happens so much faster than people think it does. Where Lane Kiffin in year two, he goes 10 wins. Like ten, first time ever in uh, Old Miss history, they win 10 games. You go Sam Pittman year two. You go to a lot of these different uh, Kirby's jump in year two uh, in Athens. And you go up and down the list. Most coaches pop off in year two. Like you'll figure it out by year three if a coach in the program is going to work long term. But I think now with the portal and with just how much you can flip your roster immediately that it's easier to figure out if a coach is going to work pretty early on. And I think if they're an elite coach, an elite play caller, an elite staff builder, they're going to pop earlier than people think. So it's going to catch people by surprise, I think, year over year in that regard. And I just I I think it's going one of two ways this year. Either Tennessee wins nine or ten games and really takes a major step forward. And there's all kinds of momentum going into the uh, winter recruiting in the last uh, little bit before signing day. Or it goes the other way, where the tempo is a problem, uh, injuries derail this season, the defenses in the SEC have a better feel for Josh Heupel's offense, and they take a step back, and they go 6-6 six and six or something, and they have to do some reevaluate, reevaluating. Maybe the defense gets worse, and the offense is just as good, so you have to make change to the defensive personnel front, because the secondary is still weak. And we'll see if they add uh, another uh, Ricky Gibson or whoever at the other corner spot because they still need to add one more corner in this class. But I, I just I cannot shake that feeling where it's going one of those two ways where Tennessee's either breaking through and beating one of Georgia, Alabama this year and going to win nine or 10 games or they take a step back. Eight and four is just too clean after last year. And I think just betting on the exact same wins and losses and then just beating Pitt as the difference this year, I just... It's too clean. I don't think it works like that. And it's just going to catch people by surprise one way or the other. What do you think? I think you have to beat LSU and Pitt. Those, Both are winnable. 
And obviously Florida. I, I'm not even counting Florida as a 50-50. If Hypo doesn't beat Florida, I think there's problems this year, um, no matter really what else happens, because Florida's not going to be uh, what they even were last year. And that's really saying something, because they were not great last year. Um, LSU is is the lesser than Ole Miss, Ole Miss of this year, the the one that you know, the, S, the SEC West opponent, that's kind of a bit of a, a toss-up that Tennessee should – if they're going to take that next step, they should be beating them. They should be beating Pitt with with Slovis. They should be beating Pitt without, uh, obviously, Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. So I think nine wins at the very least. Uh, I mean, lose to Alabama and Florida. And to be honest with you, I don't even know who else. So we, we might be talking about 10 wins or, or there's a problem. That, that sounds lofty, but I, I mean, do you think I'm wrong? I mean, they were the only team last year in the Power Five that had a top 10 offense and did not win 10 games. Wake, Pitt, Georgia, you go up and down the list, Bama, everyone else had 10 wins and Tennessee was the only one. If they're top 10 again, I just don't think lightning strikes twice there and they're that unlucky. I I just, I don't see it. What do you think, Dave? I I, I completely agree with uh, what you and Ethan are both saying. I'm kind of on the side of it would just absolutely shock me if we don't win 10 games. You know, nine games anyway. I just don't see anybody. I mean, I don't see Pitt being a game. I don't see LSU being a game. I definitely, everybody's got Kentucky up ahead of us. I don't see Kentucky for any reason, ever. South Carolina <laughs> not in our league right now. I see us struggling a little bit with Georgia because they have such a solid defense in Alabama for the same reason. And outside of that, if we can score like we did last year, and I don't see any reason to believe we won't, then I just don't see anybody. I mean, the team that played Pitt last year and the team that played Florida last year was not the team that we finished the season with. Joe Milton cost us one of those games with a pick, um, and, and that was a very close game. But it was, it was you know, the beginning of the season. And the Florida game was our worst game of the year last year. And we just didn't have anything going and, and I said, I just don't see us playing like that um, this season. There's just there's a confidence that they finished the season with. They knew they could put points on the on the board and they played like it. And um, I, I, I would be just absolutely shocked if we don't win nine games. You know, I, you know, I just would. I just think we're that good this year. I would agree. I think the nine is probably the number I would be most comfortable with because I think what happens is I, I would be floored if Tennessee goes over three against Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. I think that would really, really floor me. Um, so if you get one of those three and you drop the other two, I think they will be favored in just about every other game. And I think that's that's huge. They're going to be favored in the Carolina game. They're going to be favored in Pitt. They're going to be favored uh, against Kentucky. They're going to be favored uh, against Mizzou. They're going to be favored against Vandy, obviously. Um, LSU, I think is the big wild card where it's just because it's on the road in death Valley. Like that's, that's probably going to be a night game on ESPN. Like that's going to be an intense one, but I don't know, like the South Carolina, Carolina one late is actually the one where I'm like, (laughs) if Rattler's good and that game, like just playing there is tough and dumb stuff happens sometimes in Carolina and Tennessee's had problems with South Carolina in the past. Um, not to the same extent Kentucky. They they own Kentucky, but South Carolina, it's just more it's more even for whatever reason. But I don't know. I could see like them getting over the hump against like a Florida and Georgia and then still getting dropping a one they shouldn't drop to somebody else. I, I don't see it. I, I, I mean, I hope so. I just say I don't I don't see it. I, I, I just said we had two games last year. The pit game was mistakes. 
There were mm. penalties and a couple of turnovers. And the Florida game was just poor execution. We just we could not could not complete a pass last year against Florida. And um, if you take out those two games, which were easily winnable games, and we what did we win nine games last year? So I just don't see us. I just don't see us having that kind of season again. We'll end here because uh, Ethan's got to go. Uncle Dave, your best UT story uh, from the '80s. What what do you got for us? Oh, without question, uh, the Sugar Bowl. We okay. To, uh, my uncle, my, your uncle Steve and I, we were sitting on the 50-yard line next to Bob Woodruff's daughter, and who was the athletic director. We had just we we found some seats on the 50-yard line and we sat in them. And we said, somebody else, when they come and ask us to leave, we will. And they, and so we were sitting on the 50-yard line. We're playing Vinny Testaverde in the the Miami Hurricanes. And Tennessee gets the ball as opening kickoff, and it's three plays and punt. We punt to Miami, seven or eight plays, Testaverde, touchdown, Miami. My brother and I look at each other, and we said, we had a great time down here. It was a lot of fun because we thought we were going to be destroyed. Uh, uh, Miami never scored again. Dale Jones came on the defense and just went berserk. And Tennessee ended up winning 35-7 to in an absolute Tennessee route. Go Big Orange. Did you really leave? No, we didn't leave. We oh, okay. I thought you were saying you left. You said, all right, goodbye. I thought you actually got up and left because you, okay. <laughs> we just looked at each other and said, well, we've had a good time anyway, you know, because we thought this game, it, it was, they made it look so easy on their first possession. And little did we know, <clears throat> excuse me, that they were going to never score again that day. And we were going to go on to a, a major route. And that was when um, Derek, um, oh, what was his name? Dickey, Daryl Dickey came in as the quarterback. He was our backup quarterback behind Tony Robinson, who uh, was just phenomenal that year. And he got injured, and Dickey came in and uh, led us to the to the win. It was a, a, a great, great season. There you go. There you go. Ethan, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Off the Hook Sports this week? Yeah, we'll have uh, obviously coverage of commitments coming up. Lucas Simmons, Jalen Smith, uh, outside linebacker guys committing on Sunday. And then Lucas Simmons commits on Monday. So we'll have coverage of that. And then just moving forward, we're in the offseason, man. We're just we're just waiting, waiting for football season at this point. There you go. There you go. Uncle Dave, you made your appearance. You made your first inaugural. How do you feel? Is that good? Right. I said, uh, thank you for uh, asking me. And uh, Ethan, nice meeting you. Yeah. Uh, good luck with your uh your writings as well and congratulations thank you there you go all right dave i guess i'll see you tomorrow take care y'all have all right y'all that'll do it for part one here on a saturday a saturday july 9th 2022 edition here on the chasing was podcast on the blue wire pod network uh thank you guys for making the chasing was podcast part of your daily listen i greatly appreciate it wherever and however you listen to the chasing was podcast I greatly appreciate it, guys. Um, new content uh, coming on Monday, but we still got one more part here on the Chase Most Podcast, so watch out for that on this very feed. Uh, Atlanta Sports, guys, coming up right after this here, part two on a Saturday. Uh, no sports reporters assembled this week, uh, traveling back to Atlanta for the weekend, so uh, new episode uh, right in your uh, podcast player on Monday morning. But uh, Sunday will be uh, off, so uh, vacation day for that. Um, but for exciting, fun reasons back in Atlanta. So there you go. Uh, part two coming up in just one second with Atlanta Sports Guys. Uh, stick around. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? 
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.